It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of the Cannabis Business Podcast. With us is Doug uh, Klopek. He's a CEO of Juva Life, available on the OTC under ticker symbol J-U-V-A-F. Doug, thanks for being with us at the Talking Hedge. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate you having me on your show today. Yeah. You guys are a vertically integrated uh, cannabis company in California. Is that right? Correct. Okay. What what drove you into that market? Why why choose uh, vertically integrated over retail? What was the strategy? Kind of talk us through that because I think the the concept of going in and buying licenses is fascinating and being able to have a vertically integrated um, facility where in Washington you aren't you're not allowed to do that. Everyone kind of just assumes that MSOs are the thing, uh, whereas Washington's the opposite. And then you have this vertically integrated. So different facets within the industry. Walk us through your strategy, how you got to where you are, and what it was like. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I've commercially done this long, long before this was the popular industry to be in. So I'm 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 going on my 13th year of of opening, operating, and running. You know, dozens of these cannabis companies. Uh, first one was in California and in, in Bay Area in 2010, uh, when you know feds were kicking in doors, and and it was it was very much not the popular thing to do. And so at that time, uh, there really was no industry. You know, it, it had come out of the the, the Prop 215 and Prop 4 uh, uh, SB 420 era in California, and um, starting all the way back in 1997. Uh, you know, I was one of the first 3,000 members uh, to legally use cannabis in the state of California. So this is this was definitely not a you know follow the green rush type of type of mission for myself. Uh, and after opening the first dispensary, figured out we needed to have cultivation because there's a broken supply chain. And then after opening cultivation, I was like, oh, we need sun grown. Oh, we need manufacturing also. Oh, you know what? Let's, we have this big science need that's, that's here in the industry that nobody's really touching. And, you know, at that time in 2011, 12, 13, it was really, you know, it was, it was a bunch of snake oil. It was everything fixes everything. And we kind of come full circle a little bit where now we're in the CBD snake oil of CBD fixes everything. And it's just not that, unfortunately. Um, so I really saw the need and grew with the industry from before an industry to, to this point and saw how to operate in a, in a complex gray industry that you needed to try and operate in a black and white manner to try and succeed. And that's what really led to where Juva is today after opening, literally, I, I, I'm permit holder number one in the state of California for manufacturing and researching cannabis back in uh, 2016 out of the city of Berkeley. So done this for a long time and learned a lot of things. And those led to the necessity, in my opinion, for the research and the level of research we were doing and are doing on the cannabis plant to control the supply chain. Uh, I, I operated lots of retail, but we really needed to control the supply chain from what we were cultivating to the extraction modalities, the way that we do any of our separations, the way that we're going to then research any of the controlled substances, and then how that we then disseminate those into product diversification and then take those subsequently to the to end consumer. <clears throat> and so that's really what drove the, the necessity to be vertically integrated. And a year and a half later, or two years into that, some portions of that have changed and, and I'll elaborate on that in a minute. Um, but science is what's driving my company um, and what's making some of the changes that we're, we're in process of. Yeah, there's a, still a lot of um, changes going on. You know, Washington state's been around for 10 years in the regulated market and still a lot of changes. California, no different. Um, the pandemic has changed a lot too. I would have thought Washington would have, um, 
jumped on the on the bandwagon for delivery a lot faster and it's just not you know it's just not in their uh priority list right now what what about the pandemic changed your business i know that curbside pickup and delivery that 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 was implemented available um you're seeing some direct to consumer sales which you know as a retailer might be um concerning um you know, wholesale prices are, are coming down. There's a lot of chaos, taxes, robberies, all of these issues. What are some of the, uh, the issues that you're, you're currently trying to, to uh, navigate through right now? You know, the, 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 we're a really different company. So, so your, your question is an interesting and somewhat loaded question being, being these different states. Every state has had their, their, oh shoot, we really messed that one up. Um, and they've all been slightly different from, from Oregon, Colorado, Washington. I mean, to be perfectly honest, as, as much as I'd hate to say it, our, 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 our colleagues north of the U.S. border, they, their government figured it out really quick and came from far, far behind and far exceeded. But that was because they were able to do it on a, on a national level that allowed global export and, and a lot of the other aspects that the U.S. has just completely fallen behind in. When we bring that a little more, more nuanced, um, items like, you know, uh, pandemic ushered in, you know, touchless, um, touchless signing so that you didn't have to have, you know, your, your multiple points of, of touch again. Uh, they have the curbside where you used to have to be, you know, in, in and actually at the resident or at the, you know, you still have to have an address. But so there's, there's a number of nuances that have made kind of business a little more normalized than some of the, you know, oh my God, they're working with plutonium and they're going to blow the world up. We have to overly regulate this, um, which is the fear factor that, that many municipalities have had and many states have had. Uh, for Juvo, while, while all of those things have been um, a bit of an assistance in, in ushering in a more streamlined manner of operating business, at the end of the day, California is just being crumpled um, between cultivation tax, between the, the the broken supply chain. When we were in the the two fifteen and four twenty era, you know we had four thousand plus retail stores that are paying local taxes. They had state taxes coming in, and now we have you know we're we're, we're scratching the surface of not even a thousand stores, but we have more production. We have almost an acre of production per retail license right now, which just ushers in the dirty distributions that are just shoveling it clean product out of state, which is just a systemically broken, broken and flawed system in California. And the people like us who pay our taxes, operate the right way, play within, you know, the very delineated guardrails, um, it makes it very, very, very difficult for businesses in California, uh, not even just to be profitable, just to stay in business because of how broken the supply system is and that's where this diversification of us being vertically integrated definitely does help because of controlling the cultivation we have direct to consumer uh, delivery we have distribution we have a new retail store coming online um but one of these 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 aha moments which which is i don't want to say contrary but it is an alternative way of thinking to many in the industry um is as I kind of go full circle uh, to the snake oil. CBD doesn't fix everything. THC doesn't fix everything. Cannabis doesn't fix everything. But there are a lot of things that it does assist with. 
unfortunately, we've been lacking the level of science and diligence that comes typically from like the pharmaceutical industry. And we've applied, you know, decades of anecdotal information as assumed fact, when in fact, it's not necessarily assumed fact, it's assumed opinion based on anecdotal information that has had an inability to validate it in a quantifiable manner that actually makes sense to regulatory boards and those who would be doing peer review publications. And so we took this very different approach, which gave us this aha moment. Um, the aha moment, which, which changed our necessity to control the supply chain was, this might be a little shock, uh, THC and CBD in their form or mixed with other cannabinoids for the most part has almost zero implication for pain and inflammation control in the human body at their root, full stop, which is polar opposite of what a lot of folks will say. And so I am not saying the entourage effect does not work. What I am saying is that what we associate to be the entourage effect, the myriad of cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, synergistically working together to create a targeted effect on the human body may not actually be the combination of all of these cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids, but it might be some of the minor underestimated, not previously identified compounds found within that umbrella that are actually creating the mode of action we have identified Juva 19 and Juva 41, which are small, single compound, stable molecules found in cannabis that are not cannabinoids, not terpenes, not flavonoids. And they have a high mode of action to regulate the different cytokine pathways in the human body. That's been proven in in vivo and in vitro assays. And it is moving its way through the standard pharmaceutical drug development pathway at this point on an expedited pathway. That is what the full circle to the necessity to control the supply chain and be fully vertically integrated. You know, we have a facility in Hayward. It's a formerly built on a $28 million US government grant. They, they researched modified uh, tobacco that they grew in the greenhouses and it has a $5 million class five clean room inside of it that we were in the process. We're, we're millions of dollars in four years into this development project. We said, wait, full stop. I don't actually need this entire massive infrastructure because the things that forced me to have this infrastructure, THC primarily, are of zero synergistic benefit to Juva's core mission, which is specific to controlling inflammation and pain via the cytokine pathways, which are the inflammatory pathways in the human body, controlling those at their root. So not how do we stop eczema from appearing and what do we put on to stop eczema is what creates eczema at its root and how do we modulate the control pathway to prevent eczema from ever starting or to reverse it at its root. So not the band-aid to, to, to cover the issue, to actually address the root of the issue. So that's been the real aha moment. And sorry if that was a bit long-winded there, but it, it, that's really what delineates the difference between the research Juva's doing and most others in, in the industry. Hi, son, I'm, I'm on a call. So you you mentioned uh, Juva 19 and Juva 40 something. 41. Uh, similar to just a couple of years ago, we found out about THCV, um, you know, and, or not THCV, um, THCA, I think, or no, what was it? I remember, 
I remember being at the Lyft Expo in, in Canada and all of a sudden something just popped up and people were like, oh, hey, have you heard about whatever? And I'm like, no. So there's research. I'm sorry, I forget what it is. But there, the point is, is you're finding out new compounds that can be a benefit to our endocannabinoid system. What is it specifically about Juva 19, for example? Um, is it going to be happy euphoric energetic? Is it anti-inflammatory? What, what is it specifically that you found about that? And what is, what ailment can it benefit? Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's been the biggest aha is that, um, acetonephrine comes from, comes from, uh, from nature. It's extracted, it's, it's Tylenol and it's a single stable, small molecule that you can take as a pill. Uh, when I started Juva, I, as the cannabis industry guy, not the pharmaceutical guy, not coming from drug development background, thought I needed to have this formula. We were going to have formulas. This was the combination, this entourage effect formula that would then be targeted in five modalities of, of delivery mechanisms, <clears throat> a capsule, inhaler, and a few of these things. And when I brought in folks, you know, way smarter than myself who have been through the the fda process you know um dr uh, uh sanjeev gangwar he's our vice president of chemistry he has 55 patents to his name from his career he was the director of oncology and inflammation at bristol myers squibb uh he's one of the co-inventors of, of cialis one of the co-inventors of some of the most uh, one of the most uh widely used cancer therapeutic used to date and with him and Dr. Guy Miller, double PhD, who runs our, our um, uh, science advisory department. He, he sold one of his former companies to Johnson & Johnson for over a billion dollars and sits as a, as a natural products drug advisor to J&J. When you put that level of diligence to what I, as a cannabis guy, said, hey, we need these formulas so we can go target, you know, uh, 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 neurologic issues with high CBD formulas, and we can target pain with these, you know, one-to-one -one ratioed, and we can target, you know, and I started going down what we anecdotally knew from many, many years of doing this. And they said, that's great. That, that, that's, let, let's take the pacifier out and let's now talk about where and how this really has global implication, not just, not just our siloed view of California, retail cannabis, OTC, whether it's medical or not, um, and that was, that was the, the, the aha moment, which said, we have chronologued uh, and put together a database of, of every cannabinoid, terpene, flavonoid found in the cannabis plant. We've cross-referenced those uh, via, via in vitro assays in every combination of them, running them against standard pharmaceutical Pharmagate uh, 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 profiles seeing which one of any of these compounds have any activity to regulate inflammation or pain in the human body. So we started at the very basic fundamental. Let's take everything we know, let's, let's, let's sidetrack it, and let's look at this from a very nuanced level. And so we did that. We profiled the entire cannabis plant. And then we took what we anecdotally knew, CBD works for neurologic, pain, THC works for pain, and these different compounds, and we made combinations of all of these, what we would talk about it like a formula. And then we, by, by just due diligence, digging into the plant, identified some items that had compounds that had not been identified. They were not patented. They've never been in commercial application use. And those were these like just 
off the charts activity. It's like, oh my God, like <laughs> we, we were digging for gold and we just found, you know, pound, pound size nuggets. Like what happened? We were expecting gold dust. Um, and that was the aha moment. So then we combined those with all of these other combinations. And what we found is that when we combined any other cannabinoid, THC, CBD, the combination of them with flavonoids and what we would know as the entourage effect with any of our Juva 41 or Juva 19, it down-regulated their potency and activity full stop, which was the wait. So for what we're looking for, we're not, we're not looking to get people high. We are looking to create a, an active pharmaceutical ingredient and accelerate its pathway to full global commercialization via one of our pharmaceutical partners. And we're able to do that via our delivery and discovery methods in a matter that's anywhere from three to five years faster and 200 to $600 million less to take this drug to our partners who will then take this through the final phase of FDA approval. So Juva is not looking and we have no intent to create a Juva branded product that will be sold via a pharmacy globally as, as a Juva product. However, the identification of our compounds and the IP fencing and how these are, are progressing will be licensed and or sold in entirety to one of the, there's about 20 pharmaceutical partners that, that can afford, and you've seen this historically, you know, GW with the $7 billion acquisition and a few other multi-billion dollar acquisitions. That is exactly the pathway of Juva and where we're looking to, to take the company. I was thinking about uh, THCP, by the way. It sounds like there's an inverse relationship to, uh, just like CBD, there's an inverse relationship to uh, THC, kind of bringing that that down a little bit. Um, is this research, obviously sounds like this is going to be the bulk of your revenue. You're not really, you're, you said you're not growing to sell. You don't have retail shops for consumers. Um, you know, with, with, is that right? Juva doesn't, it doesn't have no, actually, let me make it going to be the research and development rather than cultivate to sell. Two, two, there's two delineated uh, pathways in the company with two okay. different revenue streams. So, so we have, you know, we have 600 lights of, of flowering production cultivation. So we harvest every 10 days. We've just completed a $12 million, you know, four year build. And we're now harvesting, you know, a few hundred pounds every 10 days. Uh, that's the direct to that. That's through through packaged products. That's going bulk wholesale. We have active deliveries where we have two delivery businesses actively delivering directly to the consumer, generating millions of dollars a year, and a new retail store that's that's in the process of being built right now, newly licensed in Redwood City. We actually, I got to brag about that. Out of uh, out of twenty eight applications, many of them being being big big publicly traded MSOs, uh, we were ranked the number one highest scoring application in Redwood City, and we're granted the very first license with the best location in the peninsula. Um, so no, we absolutely, that is where the bulk of our revenue and actually all of our revenue is coming from the, the, the uh, uh, production, commercial cultivation and production of cannabis and cannabis products. The, the blue sky windfall, which will really drive, you know, immense wealth and liquidity comes from the licensing, which we're utilizing the cannabis infrastructure and supply that we've built to offset the cost of R&D in production. So we're not continuously having to have dilutive financing for our company. What's, what's the bottom line for, for investors? Is it gonna be licensing? Is it gonna be a buyout? What, what is the ultimate? Either of, either of the two, either of the two. The, the, the board has, a, has an, 800, an 800 million 
to a $2.4 billion exit strategy. Uh, we feel fully confident that we will execute that. We're, we're somewhere in the 18 to 25, 26 month range from fully executing that. Uh, we have a number of uh, pharmaceutical partners that are already identified, uh, some of which we've been in discussion with. Uh, we're a little too early to enter into some of those final, final discussions at this point. We need to get the next uh, phase of data from the in vivo assays that are currently currently occurring and you'll see some some press coming out about that so unfortunately I can't speak too much about that at this point um, until we disclose the rest so yes I we have a very strong trajectory uh, the current market cap of the company does not anyway reflect uh, where the company is at or I mean the simple, the simple assets are, are, are <laughs> the simple assets of the company, cannabis assets that are relevant of the IP uh, outpace the current market cap. So uh, the market's just a little under underwater and um, we're going to continue doing our, our solid research that really no one else is looking at. And we feel fully confident that that's the major uh, delineator between us and most others operating in this space. What are, are there barriers to, to competition in that because right now there's a lot of competition with with cbd uh, as a commodity race to the bottom and, and pricing we saw what happened to medmen as a retailer uh, just get totally demolished and right now nothing is safe in in the market uh everything is kind of getting hammered right now and probably will until margin gets eviscerated so so is this going to be bread and butter um is this going to be something that you need to focus on and, and is the competition, is there barriers to the competition uh, so that you can continue to do what you're doing without, uh, you know, facing, um, you know, somebody else kind of getting in front of you? Yeah, I think the, I think the barriers are, 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 are a number of them. Um, one is we created a process that is our own process of how we have identified, vetted, and pushed through the pharma stage gate development to an expedited pathway. That is unique. We developed it. It is ours. It is not commercially available. You can't just go off the shelf and say, hey guys, can you go and do this? Um, and so that is that that is because of having teams that are global world leaders in natural product development and looking at a complicated problem and asking the question differently in order to get a separate set of ideas or answers that most are not looking at. And so that, that's that's really one of the big pieces there. Uh, the other is that almost all researchers uh, and academia are, are either one prohibited or two working with, you know, isolates or, or with, you know, the Missouri farm to get subpar cannabis input, which then keeps them on a similar track. So most of research is looking at, you know, the primary cannabinoids or, or secondary cannabinoids, um, not looking at the plant in its totality and the therapeutic benefit of unfound or unmet uh, molecules, not, uh, uh, not specific to cannabinoids. So most in the world are looking at cannabinoid therapy. Where we, we looked at what's the therapeutic benefit irrelevant if it's a cannabinoid or something else. And what we identified is that the cannabinoids for inflammation, controlling the primary cytokine pathways in the human body, cannabinoids have almost no therapeutic effect compared to Juba 19 and Juba 41. I would imagine the uh, the roadblock also is FDA, the, the cost of, of approval, the 
um, complexity of their application process. It's not just something that anybody can jump into and uh, start applying for. It's, it's not, and, and the good part is, is that we were able to move exponentially beyond where most would get to, to get to this point of, of first in human data or to, um, to, to primate safety talks data. Um, we, we hadn't mentioned this, but we have uh, one of the largest uh, WIRB approved research registries operating in the United States. So that's for up to 2000 patients. There's six specific ailments. It's physician oversight. There's a... Um, uh, a, a fully functional app that in, integrates with it. We have, you know, five or six of, of the country's largest uh, product manufacturers that are participants that were using their products to, to create, in essence, a, a baseline of best-in-class products. And if they do or don't work, to remove the anecdotal uh, uh, components and actually have sound science. And so that is really the launch pad that the data from that then gets cross-compared against... Um, once we have the safety and talks data, what these products will will end up being, and if we end up taking these back into humans, so there's an expedited pathway, and, and I want to be really clear: Juva is not intent on filing for an FDA IRB or uh, an FDA um, um, IND, and then going through multi-phase clinicals to eventually end up in, in first in human approved by FDA. So we will have our partners who will do that, and the value of Juva is the ability to expedite to get to first in human in an expedited manner, which is a navigation around the standard drug development pathway. If investors or anybody else wants to get some more information, they can check you out, uh, ticker symbol J-U-V-A-F on the OTC, uh, Canadian Stock Exchange under Juva. Where else are you at? Social media, website? Uh, yeah, yeah. So our, 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 our website is uh, just juvalife.com uh, where we have... Uh, past history stuff. We have a bunch of stuff about our press releases, as well as the research registry that we have going on. Uh, and as you mentioned, we're traded on the, the um, uh, CSC under Juva, the OTCQB under Juva F, and then the Frankfurt Exchange in Germany under 4VV. Okay, I think with that, we're gonna have to roll this one up. So I wanna thank my guest, Doug Klopek, CEO of Juva Life. Doug, thanks for being with us at the Talking Edge. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed our conversation today, Josh. I ah, appreciate it. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.